welcome to Morally Gray with a sprinkle of podcasts where we talk about all things bookish and bookish adjacent. Hostiati, I am here today with Giselle and Tina, and this week's sprinkle is all about nonfiction reads. Okay, so hi, I'm Christina or Tina. I have always loved to read from a very young age. I started reading pretty early and just never stopped. I don't really have a genre that I don't like to read, but my favorites are fantasy, science fiction, and nonfiction, of course. I'm Giselle. I actually started my reading with nonfiction, and then Ooh. I took a break, and then, of course, COVID hit and Akatar blew, blew up, and that was my introduction to fantasy. Okay, so let's start with... Giselle, do you have have a nonfiction genre or subgenre you like to read? Um, I like to do a lot of autobiographies slash memoirs um, and self help was basically my nonfiction era. Yeah, I'd say yeah. I I don't gravitate towards the self help books, but when I read them, I like them. I gravitate more towards science type nonfiction um, and historical nonfiction. I think Yachty just finished The Tattooist of Auschwitz. I did. And I mean, that book was just... It was so good. Devastatingly good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I would agree. I think I, I like a lot of... Uh, I almost said historical fiction. Um, <laughs> historical yeah, but I mean, it is. <laughs> yeah, like uh, historical nonfiction. Um, I like mm-hmm. autobiographies, too. Uh, I think one that I really want to read because I feel like it's going to be full of juicy gossip is Spare. And I know he had a ghostwriter, oh but I yes. want to read it. Um, I want to read it too. And um, I think poetry too. I think we can classify poetry as nonfiction. It's I think so, yeah. And, um, and there's some science ones, but I feel like I am particular about whichever science ones I read. Because some of them can get a little too, yes, like, um, too, mm-hmm. like data clinical. And I'm like, okay, I get that this is what we have to do here, but let's not make it like I'm reading a, a journal. And I one think I favorite... Like, have you read Sapiens? I think that one was like... I am currently based. reading that. Oh, nice. It's my current non- nonfiction read. What did you think? I didn't read it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's just like trending and everyone's like, this is so good. So it's on my TBR. I, I, I just started it. I'm about 10% in and, and so far it's fine. It's, I know it's on my TBR too, but at this point I feel like my TBR is just a collection <laughs> of ideas. But going back to uh, like historical nonfiction, um, Tina, because I know you also read The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like sometimes a lot of historical nonfiction because people are scared of how it's interpreted they'll classify it as historical fiction i think that historical fiction allows authors to have a little more creativity in the storyline and i like that as well that the facts of what happened are there but they take liberties with the story and the characters in the story that's a good way to put it because i know um the tattooist of Auschwitz, they put it down as historical fiction because obviously, you know, some creative liberties were taken. But I'm like, if nine, mm-hmm. I'm like, if over 90% of the story is factual. I didn't know that that 90% of it was factual. Yeah, it was originally a screenplay. Like, they oh. he they interviewed him and it, there was they were going to do like a documentary type thing and then they changed it to no, we're going to do an actual movie. But it was never, like, greenlit, so then they changed it into a book. I'm sure it'll get picked up again because... It's been hyped up. Yeah. 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 Another nonfiction author that I really like is um, Larson. I think it's Eric Larson, right? And so he has a lot of, I guess, factual nonfiction that he makes into really nice stories as well. So The Devil in the White City is one that I really enjoyed. And then also In the Garden of Beasts. I think... I've... Oh, I've definitely seen The Devil... Wait, The Devil in the White City? Yeah. Yes, I've definitely heard of that one. I feel like I've read 
in the Garden of Beasts, but I feel like I read it a long time ago. Is that is that about like um I'm trying to think? It's like a German so, then, ambassador. Yeah, so it's love, yeah. terror, and an American family in Hitler's Berlin. Yeah. Okay. I did read that. And then like the Devil in the White City was murder, magic, and madness at the fair that changed America, and that one was crazy. Wow, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. More things to add to our never-ending. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. But I feel like we do this to each other every time. We, we really do. Our TBRs grow a little bit more anytime we start talking about what. We're... I know the um, um, I do too. Yeah, I'm like, it's a. Uh, people watch different shows at the same time. Why can't I read six different books at the same time? Exactly. True. They're True. totally different books most of the time. Like. <laughs> That show, uh, the story. I mean, they have to be for me because if they're too similar, forget it. I'm messing up plot lines like left <laughs> and right. <laughs> I'm not like I lie. think I was doing from Blood and Ash and Stone of Glass at the same time, and I was like, "Oh no, I'm so confused." <laughs> that has happened. Yeah, that's true. But I was my audiobook. It's the Stolen Girls, Survivors of the Boko Haram. Like they tell their story, and oh wow, it's basically um. These girls who were uh, stolen um, and, you know, they go, like, through the horrors they lived while they were captive, five, ten percent in. And it's, you know, you're ten percent in and you're like, whew, that, that's, that's a lot to happen. Another, like, subgenre that, um, I guess not a subgenre, but on the topic of nonfiction and, like, the tattoo artists of Auschwitz that they classified as, like, historic fiction, even though it was some of it is true. Um, I just found out about Pack Wars librarians. Have you heard about that? Pack Wars? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. So I had no idea what this was until I went to my orientation at school and they were talking about how these pack horse libraries, I guess it's like something to do with the Appalachian Mountains in Kentucky or whatever. And they just like would deliver horses, I mean, deliver books on horses. And now it's like they're writing all these books about it. And now it's like this pop in like subgenre. It's so random. It's interesting to think that I think because we think of libraries as very stable, sturdy like buildings that you can just go into to think of yeah. a library just like someone on a horse and like how do they know what to bring? Like what is going on? Like, you know, like I feel like it's very interesting. So whenever like you know, we were getting like meetings from different departments and then we had a meeting from the library department and he was like, who's reading this subgenre, the Pack Wars Librarian? And this girl like actually raised her hand like she was like reading, reading in that subgenre. Wow. <laughs> it was between 1935 and 1943 in the remote regions of the Appalachian Mountains. But I also feel like that somehow makes sense because you're trying to probably get literature and books to places that probably don't really have access to it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it, too, is to help, like, the doctors and the physicians and the midwives at that time, if they were trying to do, like, evidence-based practice in the 1930s and they needed, like, a book. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, interesting, like, little subtopic. I'm gonna have to <laughs> give that a added to the DBR. So I have a few medical nonfictions that I absolutely love, and you guys will have to tell me if you have read any of them. So... The first one is called Stiff, The Curious Lives of Human Cadavers. No, I haven't. And it's a researcher basically just goes into where do cadavers go once they're donated, the different places that they could possibly go. And it was really interesting. So yeah. what was one of the craziest places that they would go? Um, is that a spoiler? <laughs> okay. Oh, I guess maybe. <laughs> I'm going to leave that to Vanderbilt. (laughs) (laughs) But it was very tastefully done because it is a very sensitive subject of where Mm -hmm. do people's loved ones go that are donated. Um, And then also at times humorous. And I don't know if I only found it humorous because I'm in the medical field that I was like kind of giggled a little bit at parts. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, this is messed up. (laughs) But it's also really good. So I recommend that one. And it's a short read. It's not anything daunting. A very easy, short, nonfiction read for anybody that's interested. And then um, another devastating one is When Breath Becomes Air. Have either of you read that? Mm-mm. No, but I heard about it. 
Oh my gosh. Anybody that even touches the medical field should read this book. I mean, it was just beautiful. And I was definitely sobbing at the end. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know one that um, was actually recommended to me by someone, um, by, by another nurse that I work with. Um, and she said like this book kind of like completely changed her perspective on things. It's called mm-hmm. The Body Keeps Score. And it's kind of how like stress and um, your brain and your mind deal with like trauma and healing and how sometimes it just it, it turns like all that trauma and healing like manifests internally and turns on you and how you get like sick and stuff like that. And she's like, it, it changed her perspective on things. And she's like, it made me more in tune to like the stress of the job, what I was doing. It made me realize that self-care like truly matters and she's like I'm gonna bring it to you because like I feel like everyone needs to read this book so they can know how to like kind of um get back in sync with themselves because especially like I think all three of us work in healthcare I think it's easy to forget about yourself when you work in healthcare especially while you're at work because you're like okay I have to worry about everything else and you kind of put yourself to the back burner and then that ends up causing burnout and your body did you know it takes three years to recover from one year of burnout wow so i'm never recovering (laughs) 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 you're gonna have to do some anti-burnout work for sure and And now i'm like calculating (laughs) (laughs) i don't even want to think about it i really don't yeah, so right? I think another classic, um, it's like nonfiction, I think that maybe you guys have read it. I think most people have. Tuesdays with Maury. That I is. have not. I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> you guys, it's good. <laughs> it's so good. It's a short read. I want to say, let me look it up right now. I'm pretty sure, like, I want to say under 200. 210. Pages. There you go. I was I like, it's very... It <laughs> yeah, this guy, he sees his old professor every Tuesday. And they have, like, a little wise chat. It's really freaking good. Like, you will cry. What is it with you two trying to make people cry? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when Tina mentioned When Breath Becomes There, I was like, oh, yeah. Now that we're on the topic of nonfictions that make you cry, I think it's Lion. Have you guys read that? Lion? Lion. And I don't think that's the name of the book. That's definitely the name of the movie. I watched the movie and I was like, holy crap. And you read this book. It's called A Long Way Home. No. No. And then it the sounds online. sad. It does oh, sound sad. Oh my gosh. When I tell you, it's like, it's so, this guy, he was a little kid actually with his brother in India and they get separated and then they get lost. And it's just like this crazy story of how like, there's, I just feel like there's so many people in India, like the population's so high that like, it's so easy to just get lost. They get lost. They can't find their way home. Then they, you know, then authorities wow. think that they're like, um, you know, like homeless. So then they put them in the foster system. It's so crazy. So crazy. Such an empath. So especially <laughs> when I read nonfictions. Oh my gosh. It's like, it's mostly like, I can't believe this. Like also I read I Am Malala. That was also. You know what book I low-key want? Because, you know, sometimes... These autobiographies, I feel like they're good if you want to know, like, some secrets and some gossips. <laughs> yeah. And you know which one I want to read? And it's and it's so left field for me. You guys are going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> oh, God, I, which one? <laughs> go on. I want to read that new Mike Pence book. Okay. So I have another, sorry. No, you can change gears again. <laughs> Anything could change from Mike Pence. <laughs> Anything. Okay. Uh, the boys in the boat. No, haven't. Haven't. I've heard of it. I haven't read it. So good. Nine Americans and their epic quest for gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. So, it's the story of um, a rowing team that goes to the Olympics, basically. Um, but it's 1936 in Berlin, and so it's this very interesting peek into the propaganda that Hitler was spinning for the Olympics when everybody was there. 
Such a good story. Yeah, all these books that you're recommending are Goodreads Choice Awards. Are they? I, mm-hmm. are, you, are you adding them to your... I'm just like, yeah, I'm like adding to my TBR as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. <laughs> I love absolutely anything by my man, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm. Astrophysics for people in a hurry, I would recommend to anybody. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm such a fangirl of Neil. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. So do you guys read any biographies um by famous people? A little bit. Um I actually just finished I'm glad my mom died. Have either of you read that one? This no, is but like I put the... it on my TBR because you're like now officially like the fifth person who's mentioned it. I was just gonna mm. say, yeah, I literally got re- that book recommended all weekend, actually. Oh my goodness! And I saw it when it came out, and it was it's been on Scribe since it came out. And Goodreads always brings it up to me to like you. This might be a book you'd like, and I'm like, I don't know, but like literally, so many people have recommended it to me, and they're so like, so many, yeah. You have to read this book. So you recommend it? It was good. It's a very <laughs> fucked up story. Yeah, I heard it's like really crazy. Yeah. I don't want to give anything. I don't want to spoil or anything. It's hard to talk about it without spoiling anything. <laughs> okay. Besides okay. the fact of this went through a very trying childhood. I feel like I'm going gonna... to say trying, just um, a messed up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know a little bit, but I don't want to spoil. No, I know a little bit too, but you know, it just means that by the time we all three of us get together again, I'm going to have to have this book read. So then we can be like, what's the actual? Also yes. short, not a very long book. Okay, okay good. Good. We, we, sometimes we like short. No. Yeah. Sometimes you just Sometimes, need a little quick. Yeah, a, a long nonfiction can feel daunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jeanette Wells, I'm sorry, Walls, uh, The Glass Castle, that one. I just saw one that, incredible. A, um, that Goodreads recommended to me. By, I don't know if you've ever heard of the band uh, Japanese Breakfast. No. Mm-mm. It's like a little like indie band kind of alternative um but i think she's the lead singer she came out with a autobiography crying in the h mart that is on the tbr yeah oh yeah did you read it no i just got it recommended to me um but i did read amy polar's i know it's kind of an old one how was it Yes, please. It was so good. So funny. It just made me love her so much more. Aww. It was, like, really, really good. That's And Ali Wong's. Oh, my gosh. Like, when I... I went on an Ali Wong kick. Like, I was, like, <laughs> looking at all her stand-up, and then I read her autobiography, and I just love her so much. Is that... What, what one is her autobiography? Um, Dear Girls... Uh, I just really love her sense of humor and it just comes out it's like, like um, it comes out really well in like her autobiography yeah. too I mean I I think she's funny in general I loved like all her pregnancy stand-ups yeah <laughs> but like I think your self-help ones that you've done that you really like oh, um so a classic you are a badass that one was mm-hmm. really good about... Have you read that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like, a classic good one. Um, I did Attached for... I did Attached, and then I made my husband read Attached. Because... Have you heard about that one? No. Actually, well, it says New Science in the title, so maybe you'll... On your TBR. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it just talks about different people's attachment levels, and... Basically, there's, like, two type. You're either, like, secure is what we all aim to be. Um, so I guess there's three. But who really is secure? I mean, come on. That's crazy. <laughs> 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 the, 
there's anxious avoidant and secure but then there you can be anxious avoidant like a combination of anxious and avoidant but um but it, it's very interesting because it says i guess it's more like a psychology book and then it um says that most people partner up subconsciously as anxious like an anxious partner will subconsciously choose an avoidant partner and vice versa like that's like the majority of couples it's like someone's anxious someone's avoidant and there's a quiz in it. So you take the quiz to find out what you are and then you read through the book and it kind of tells you how to like deal with your attachment style, deal with your mm-hmm. partner's attachment style and how to ultimately be secure in the end. But it was really like eye-opening, I think. Mm-hmm. I also did How to Do the Work, which is from, you know what, all, I, all my self-help ones are like, I guess they're self-help, but they're all from like psychologists. Um, but she I actually followed her on Instagram Nicole LaPera and that's how I found out that she wrote a book but she does a lot of trauma healing and this book is about how to work through your your trauma your generation she does all generational trauma healing too okay yeah but this book you kind of read it yeah yeah um you kind of read it and then there'll be like periods in it where you can pause and like do an exercise or you can just keep going I there's this book I I read and I feel like everyone should read it and it's not necessarily a self-help book um but I feel that reading it gives you like good perspective and can kind of help you navigate through a lot of different situations in life. Um, and it's The Art of War. I want to read that so bad. And I know it's like, wait, what? But I, like, it's a book that I, I feel like, one, everyone should read. Because it truly will help you um, kind of, like, navigate different situations and different things in life. And yes, the book was about, you know, war strategy, but it's literally like a life strategy book. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of like put it together, you're like, damn, this guy was smart. Yeah. And it's so weird because everyone's like, that's not a self-help book. I'm like, but it kind of is. You just read mm-hmm. it and you'll understand it kind of is. It's one of those like random weird things that work. Yeah. I've heard amazing things. It's so amazing. I think I might I might have an extra copy of it. If I do next time I see you, Tina, I will Yes. I will bring I it. That. Who is it by? It's it's Sun Sun Zhao yeah. Tao. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like a lot of people are like, oh, it's, um, it's a like a classical, like it's a classic book or whatever, you know, because it was like written in ancient China, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's still such a good book. Everyone should read it. Hmm. Okay. Did I, you- for some reason, feel like that's a book I need to read via physical copy (laughs) (laughs) do you have those books sometimes this can't be an ebook i need the physical yeah no totally there are books like that there are books that you're like no or i'll have it where i'll go through like waves of i have to read a physical copy and like my ebooks and my audiobooks are just not doing it like i need the physical book in my hand yeah. like, mm-hmm. I need it um, and then there are times where it's completely the opposite and I'll have and I try to always read a physical book so it'll just stay on my dresser for a really long time I move it when I like wipe down the like the night not my dresser my night table like when I move it to <laughs> clean the night table that's the only time that book gets any love and then I'm like <laughs> I'm sitting there for like a month or two I guess I should open you <laughs> side piece um another fave is empire of pain 
So I'm getting a uh, hints that I do really like medical and science. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. It's my interest. <laughs> uh, but that book was but all these books that you're recommending are, like I said, Goodreads Choice Awards. Yeah. They they're, like, do. very close to five stars. So good. Highly recommend. I'm, try- mm, I'm okay. trying to give, like, you know, the ones that are more. Yeah, like, like the best. Pop culture out there. But this one, it was pretty long. Um, and it's about the Sacklers and Oxycontin essentially Ooh. maybe you have to move that one a little bit higher up on the pvr yeah i um i don't know a lot of my non-fictions are so sometimes when i'm feeling like i want to learn i'll do like a self-help mm-hmm. psychology book but i haven't dabbled in the medicine i think it's because i work in it that i'm like i need a break or like an escape from it yeah that's fair um, so I try, like, I don't watch any medical shows. Like, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy or, like, that new reality ER show that came up on Netflix. Like, I don't watch anything medical, and I don't, I try not to read anything medical. But... I I also would not read anything medical. I mean, sorry, watch anything medical. No. Mm, I feel yeah. like. I don't watch the same. Grey's Anatomy, no. None of the, uh, Chicago Med or whatever it is. Yeah, no. I think when I watch them, I get annoyed. Yeah, yeah, because I can pick for sure the like create like when has a doctor ever ambulated a patient? Not just a four doctors, please. No, <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah, yeah. It no like, and I'm like, then I get all like hyped up and pissed off at it, and I'm like, yeah, that's not the point of me watching TV. Yeah, exactly. I'd say these are tastefully medically related but they're not it's not so close to hospital and medicine and nursing doctors anything like that so I, maybe that's why they work and i enjoy them mm-hmm. yeah and then i'm like they just have a little taste yeah <laughs> just like i know it's again on the tbr but um, <laughs> it's a book. Have you guys heard about a book called The Wager? No. I've also heard of it. I did not read it, though. So it's basically a story about, like, a sh- like shipwreck and murder. And it's written and everything is taken from, like, accounts of, like, court-martial papers. But this is, like, a story of something that happened, like, in the 1700s. And Did you like, tell me to read this book hmm? because I requested it from the library recently. <laughs> I feel like maybe I have. I feel like maybe we had this conversation about this book, you and me. Because maybe. I did the same. Or I just saw you added it to your TBR and I was like, ooh, me too. <laughs> maybe. I know I'm like, I'm on the waiting list on my library, on my Libby for it too. And I'm like, me too. I'm like, I why do so many people want to read the book I want to read? Read something else. <laughs> right. I have three weeks left. Uh, so it's available. Yeah, I think mine said like a month or something like that. I'm like number I'm like an outrageous number on the waiting <laughs> list. And there's like four or five copies of the book or something like that. And I'm like this is crazy. Yeah, like, when did when was it published? It this is published in hold on, hold on. It was published this year. That's why the waiting list is so long. In April. Okay. Oh. It was in April this that's why the waiting list is so long. Do you know of like how they were able to get this story? Uh, from seventeen forty two. I know. That's well, crazy. Literally that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Um apparently it was through um like I guess court martial documents or something like that, um, and they—that's how like I guess the story came together. But then, like going back to what we were saying earlier, it makes me wonder. Like this is—you're getting this information from papers from the seventeen hundred, seventeen forty 
too. I just, I guess it's when the story kind of starts. Um, and you're considering it complete nonfiction, but someone oh obviously wrote it. But then you have, like, going back to the tattooist of Auschwitz, where he sat down with somebody, told his story, so that, yeah. and then that's considered historical fiction. Because for what I know, like, whoever, uh, David Grant could have just decided to make some stuff up and the wager is more historical fiction than it is historically accurate. You know, what do I know what he did with what he found? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's, and it's not that long. It's 352 pages on the hardcover edition. So it's not yeah. terrible. Oh, I'm excited. I really want to read that one. Yeah, I, and it's probably one of those things that like I saw randomly. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to add it. And I was on a pirate kick a couple weeks ago where like the <laughs> four or five pirate books. So that's probably how it ended up me requesting it, to be honest. Um, and then another subgenre mm-hmm. of nonfiction that I like to read is adventure nonfiction. So Appalachian Trail books, Mount Everest. Oh, okay. okay. Just people adventuring in general um i love those bill bryson did one about the appalachian trail he hiked part of it and it's very funny i actually had a few lols that i always love when i lol at a book <laughs> that's a, I feel like that's a sign of a good book yeah yeah <laughs> and then um john Cracknar, I I'm so sorry for butchering his last name. I don't know how to pronounce it. It's okay. But he wrote a Mount Everest book that is out of which is out of control, and then Into the Wild, which is about um, Alaska, and both are fantastic. I don't think I've. I'm gonna have to check some of those out because I don't think I've ever read a like adventure. Nonfiction. Yeah, I was just thinking to be like, but I don't think I have either. Yeah, and like, yeah, I was gonna say the names like going through my head. I was like, I don't think I've. We're just gonna have to add it to the TBR and see what happens. (laughs) And see what I think about it. (laughs) See what happens. Um, I think another sub genre that I like, but I have to be in that mood for it um, would be like poetry. Um, oh, yes. But I feel like I have to be in a certain headspace for it. For sure. Because there are times when I was like, when I'm like, nope, I don't, I don't want you to make me feel better. I don't want to cry. I don't know. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. stay in your lane. <laughs> Do you have somebody that you recommend? Um, I'm going to butcher her name. Giselle, you know who I'm talking about, too. I know. I was just going to say, um, <laughs> I want to say it's Rupi Kaur. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's better and closer to any way that I would say it. <laughs> but she actually, actually, she's the only poet that I've read, but I read every single one of her books. Yeah. Um, and they take you through an emotional roller coaster. She really does. She does not care about your feelings. Um <laughs> I think what do you do? You have a favorite one of hers? Where do I start? Uh, I was okay. Yeah, Mil- and you know, we, me and Yadi actually saw her live when she came to Tampa. Nope, remember? Um, nope, I didn't go. Oh God, that's remember, right. I had COVID. I that's my no. oh Yadi. Oh well, when I tell you, I cried at her live. Mm-hmm. Um, but she. Actually wrote Milk and Honey, I think she said in college. That was her first one. Um, yeah, I think wow. it's a good one to get you into her style. Yeah. Um, and I really like the sun and her flowers. I, I think like that one. Too. Yeah, it's. It, I like the order it's in. And it's, um, well, you know, me and my self-help. It's more <laughs> about, like... <laughs> They both have really good reviews. Yeah. Um, and they're so fast. You could literally just sit down and read it, the whole book in one sitting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and homebody is is good too i think mm-hmm. homebody is like her newest one i did yeah i mean honestly it was really really great and i just i already loved her and then i loved her even more when i saw her live and i cried and then we i did use one of her poems at my wedding oh yeah it was it's cute she's she's good <laughs> yeah i i think for like modern day poetry mm-hmm. um, yeah that that that's a good place to start um okay yeah because i feel like oh and like you'll like if you've never really read poetry before like it's literally i'd be like just try one or two poems from like different people and see what you like um i think for like general um she's good like just i think she's someone that anyone can read and relate to but poetry i do believe is something that can be a little bit more personal so it's you know figure out like what you like what you don't like I think what throws a lot of people off with poetry though is like you remember in school when you were like forced to read like haikus or like Edgar Allan Poe and stuff like that and don't get me wrong there are some Edgar Allan Poe like poems that I love but I feel like we get stuck with like oh do I have to write a haiku does it have to rhyme does it like they say Beowulf is a poem. <laughs> that's, just, that's just a lot of things and I don't think That's a, poem, a lot of things. And I don't think a poem is on the list of things that that is. <laughs> but they call that poetry, right? Like, you know, sure if you Okay. If you say that that's poetry of I'll tell you okay. Mhm. But it's not. <laughs> But it's subjective. But I do like her. I think she's definitely one of my modern favorites. I think you'll enjoy her too. Yeah, I'm gonna add it for sure. If somebody tells me to read a book, or if a book has good reviews, I just read it. Mm-hmm. I very rarely read a synopsis. Okay. I go in blind. I know what's gonna happen (laughs) because my my brain starts looking for things instead of just reading I'm like oh when is this part gonna happen or whatever Mm -hmm, it is mm -hmm. so I just go in blind and so I read this super random book called sex on the moon I ended up loving it it was a very very interesting nonfiction about a NASA intern Mm -hmm. And um, his story of being a, a junior NASA um, employee, and I don't want to ruin anything in case you guys are gonna. Okay, jump on. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued. Well, the name it's in itself is intriguing, and this guy is a, a very, very intelligent individual. Yeah, I'll say if if he were starting to intern for NASA. I know, right? Well, yes, but then it kind of goes south, so. Okay. Okay. Now I'm even more intrigued. Right? Yeah, I don't. I have, um, like, there are things that if someone tells me to read, I will read questions, no questions asked, kind of like you. There are other mm-hmm. things that, um, if I, like, if I keep seeing it or I'm like, hey, I might read the synopsis or whatever but I think sometimes because there's so much that I want to read I forget a lot someone told me to read and then I'm like I didn't see that coming Mm -hmm. another I feel like there's so many like sub genres under nonfiction that I absolutely love is like true crime or like stuff on like serial killers yes because Although I haven't read more. any of them, but <laughs> I haven't either. <laughs> um, there is one that I I got from my sister because she loves her some madness. <laughs> um, and it's um, there's one called American Predator. 
the hunt for the most meticulous uh, serial killer of the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that one is about, um, about a couple different serial killers. And it kind of goes into um, who they were, like how the investigations went, what they did, um, who they were outside of being serial killers. Mm. Um, that one was interesting, sometimes like a little graphic, but disturbing, very disturbing. Cause like, um, I don't, I don't want to remember because a lot of them had families, like mm. wife yeah. and kids who knew nothing about the sociopath they had married. That's crazy. And very scary. Because they were so different in like their home yeah. life that you that they were like, No, like you're not talking about my husband. You're not talking about my dad. He would never. He's the sweetest mm-hmm. man alive. Yeah. But he wasn't. <laughs> but he wasn't. Um and there was another one I'm trying to think because I don't it was, uh, oh, wait a minute. Before I throw this book out, let me see, because I can't remember. I read it. I don't know if it was real or not. <laughs> room, room. What was it? Room. It's actually also a movie, but it was a book. Hmm. Um, that is a true crime. I, uh, this is like back in my head right now. Yeah, I feel like that's some things like you, you read some of these things and then you're like, let me go back. Let me go back in my head and, well, let me look at this synopsis because I was like, I know that it's like a girl, a woman and her child are living in like this basement and then they some, well. I'm not, I'm not going to ruin it, but <laughs> I just can't remember, like, how they got there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, like, this guy, like... See, this is um, the problem with reading true crime, is I have too active an imagination, and I will literally have nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it's, it. like, I'm pretty sure he, like, kidnapped her, raped her, put her in the room. She had a baby. They lived oh my in gosh. the basement. And that was like, they were. Ne- they never left the basement. Like, the basement was like their life. That sounds like the story. Oh my god, what was this girl's name? Um, like, it's her name was like JJ something. Hold on. I'm gonna have to look it up because um, this girl, she was abducted when I want to say, like, in her early teens or something. And this guy, he, like, first he kept her in the basement. Then he kind of made, like, shelter for her. Um, And she lived there for, like, years. And they had, like, two children together. And he was trying to use her to, like, abduct, like, other girls. And... Mm. It, and this guy had like gone to jail he was on parole and he had her abducted and essentially kidnapped in his own backyard for years and no one ever figured it out oh my God. until one day he was trying to take someone else and she was there and he t- tried to make it seem like those were like that that was his daughter and the then the daughters were his sister or her sisters, so like that all three of them were um like relate it was it was a hot mess. Um but her name is like JJ something or she went by JJ. JC. Her name was JC Duggard. She was abducted she was abducted when she was eleven. Thing. And then no one saw her again for like 18 years. So for 18 years, oh he had her. And that, that kind of sounds like that story. Like he, she wasn't allowed to go anywhere, like use the phone. Like she didn't know yeah. anything. Yeah. Like they didn't have any windows in this room. Like Mm-mm. 
It's just crazy. See, and then I'll be like, I'll read like a true crime book and then um, I'll listen to my true crime podcast. And then sometimes I'm listening to these things and I'm like, who the hell is doing like the time and energy? How do, I was just going to say, like, how do people have the time, time to commit crimes? Okay. <laughs> like, how, how, how am I going to? And then when they have families and stuff, it, like, it just blows my mind because how do yeah, you have a family, a job, and still manage time to do all that? Because, like, I have a house, a dog, and a full-time job, and I barely have time for my friends. <laughs> like, I know. That's so crazy. But that's another, it's another genre of why are we as Americans so obsessed with true crime? I have no idea. <laughs> Honestly, because if like, and I'm not saying they don't exist in other countries, because they do. But serial killers tend to be a predominantly American thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, like, other countries might have had a few serial killers here and there, but not to the amount that we've had here in the United States. Maybe they just get away with it better other places. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, but like, I'm just like, is it, is it that maybe they're better getting it away in other places? Is it really truly like a mostly American thing? Like, there has to be something to it. It's, I feel oh, like it's wow. the same reason why we love all these law shows. Like, how many law shows are there? 50 other cop shows and we all watch them because they keep making them (laughs) well you know i think the human brain is an enigma right we don't fully understand a lot of stuff there are still many things to be discovered and the way what happens how does somebody become a serial killer or so messed up in their brain chemistry that that is what the norm is i don't know if that's it's like a curiosity of of how could somebody possibly do that yeah but devil in white city also has a serial killer (laughs) (laughs) to tie it all together (laughs) we're just gonna at this point we just need our own library for some of these books we can have a traveling horse library. Yes. Listen. <laughs> that I was so shocked by that little piece of history. I'm like, what? <laughs> to stop and then I guess just to put it full circle. Um, what are you guys reading currently? Well, I'm reading our book club read actually, Reaper at the Gates. Um by Saba Tahir and I'm listening to a book recommendation that I got um, Dreams and Darkness and Desire mm-hmm. that that was recommended to me this weekend and so I'm listening to that right now I am reading The Unbound Witch mm-hmm. which is the second in the in the duology, I'm so excited. In the duology, yes. I'm about halfway through. Um, I am listening to A Reaper at the Gates, our book club book by Sabatier. And then my nonfiction read that I'm currently reading is Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind. And then my read aloud with my husband right now is All Systems Red. How is that? Which is we are it's the murder bot diaries we are a little disappointed by it okay i love that you guys do that yeah <laughs> and i think it's so that, that you and Kara do that with your husbands yeah it's nice sometimes we'll do audiobooks but not the books that we want to read aren't always available as audio so i just read so, what about you yaddy I my audiobook is uh, Stol- the Stolen Girls, 
Um, I am also mm. reading uh, The Silent Sun by um, Alexis Menard. Um, it's the second book in a duology. Um, it deals with like Norse mythology. It's, it's pretty good. The first book I gave four mm. stars to. Um, we'll see what happens with this one. I am reading Fay Fever. I oh. got it from the library. So I started that. <laughs> um, and that's by Karen Amoning. Zodiac Academy 7, Heartless Guy. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Go ahead and DNF that one. Um, if he had so been <laughs> if he had been with me. Um and Babel. But Babel, I think I'm gonna switch to an audiobook. Because Why? there's like there's all these little like footnotes. And then you like you have to go back like to the bottom of the book to read the footnotes and whatnot. Cause some of them you're like, wait, what is this even talking about? But it's relevant to what's happening. Um, but I was told that in the audiobook they read as they're reading the passage, they'll read you the footnote. So it's more seamless. There's a new, there's a new narrator for the footnotes. Um, it's really out of sheer laziness. Because I did 20% of the... I've done about 20% of the actual physical book. But I think because it almost feels like homework, I haven't done it. Yeah. Which yeah. makes me sad because I love a good dark academia book, but I don't want to feel like it's, like I'm doing homework. So I might switch the audio yeah. book on that one. And I think... Oh, and... Huh, the one on my night table, uh, Malibu Rising. <laughs> Oh, I love that one. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So far, it's pretty good. I think I'm about maybe 15% in, maybe, give or take. So, we'll see. And that's enough books. That's like six books I'm reading at once. My ADHD can only do so much. Okay, the physical one on my... um... Oh my gosh, what's it called on my side table? No. <laughs> oh my gosh, is a uh, guild. Oh shoot, I want to read that. Yeah, I, I keep. It's like one of those books that I like really want to read really badly, but then I forget it exists. <laughs> Same. I, yeah, I forget it exists until someone mentions it, and then I was like, well, maybe I'll do the audiobook, but then someone told me the audiobook was trash. So, mm. you know, we'll see. 